This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. And today we have Mr. Simon Severino from strategysprints.com to talk to us about how to take your game to the next level. What's going on, Simon? Excited to be here. Hello, everybody. You have got a massive stack of books behind you. Is that real or is that <laughs> yeah. fake? Because that looks like a bad game of Jenga. It's going to fall on your head. It, it is real. It has survived two boys. And it's like, you remember the CD Rex? It's kind of something like that from an Italian designer for books. Oh, okay. Okay, well, that makes me feel better. I thought those were just you, like you had perfectly placed all of those to where they would stay in that shape, and I couldn't imagine knowing that would my be kids, so much better. There you go. Well, listen, man. Before we get um, into the meat of conversation, why don't you give everybody uh, just sort of your story as to who you are and how you got to where you are today with Strategy Sprints? Sure. Thank you. So I started 17 years ago as a management consultant, very typically junior consultant, consultant, senior consultant, junior project manager, project manager, senior project manager, principal, and then having a miserable life uh, across the globe. So I wanted to escape that kind of world and uh, started my own company. And there were things that I found out being a client that I was not okay with. For example, for my own company, when hiring a coach, I wouldn't want to wait for three weeks until they fly to my city and then have an eight hours workshop. And especially I didn't want to pay for blah, blah, blah. So I go, what do I really need as a business owner? First, I don't have the time for workshops. And I need templates. That's what I need. Give me a proven blueprint and then let me run with it and give me the chance 15 to 20 times per day to test something, come back with the numbers, and then let's decide together based on these numbers. That's what I was looking for. And that was not out there. I didn't, I didn't see such a coaching system anywhere for sales or for business owners. And uh, so I created it. 
for myself. And then bit by bit, people were, hey, Simon, this template on how to do an email funnel, I like that. Can I have that? Sure, please. And then, hey, Simon, this sales tracker, that's amazing. Uh, can I have that? Sure. And so bit by bit, we started sharing our own templates. And now we are the template guys. We have 274 templates and we share them with our clients. And that's why they can uh, get stuff done faster because they don't start with nothing. They start with something. They copy it. It's, it's Google Spreadsheet. It's make a copy, make it your own, insert your own, go out there, test it five times, improve, improve, improve. And that's how our clients now have real value. They don't have to wait for three weeks until like I fly to their city because we don't fly anymore. We have the templates, we share them, and we are 24-7 there for them. Like like Spider-Man and the, cha the chair guy. You remember Spider-Man and the guy in the chair. So Spider-Man is out there on the front line and says, should I kick the left door? Should I kick the right door? And uh, the guy in the chair says, give me a second. And then says, the, the left, the left one, the left one. And then uh, Spider-Man kicks the left one because entrepreneurs don't have time to run analysis, right? And we are out there. We have to take decisions, many per day, and we need decision support. So of all the templates that you've created, what's your favorite and what problem did that solve? My favorite one is the equalizer that I will even share oh, yeah. with you at the end. Of the equalizer. Yeah. Yeah. That's hot. The equalizer is so cool. And the problem that it solves is where can I cut costs this month and at the same time swim out of competition? So becoming more unique and cutting costs at once. That's what the equalizer does. And it's called equalizer because the, the, my picture is a picture of a DJ. You give more bass, less snare, then you cut something completely. And that makes the magic of the music. And with the business owner, that's my spreadsheet. It's my budgeting spreadsheet. Uh, less LinkedIn ads more webinars, whatever it is, you cut here, you put it into there. You cut here, you put it into there. That's my monthly budgeting. And I've, I found this really boring for many years and trying to avoid that. But now that I have found the power of it, cutting costs and investing in the right things, that's powerful. If you pick the right things, first cutting costs will make you more lean and more resilient, which in these times is really important. And um, and finding the right things that working for you and doubling down on that, what you have cut from that one part, reinvest this in what's currently working. That makes you outswim your competition because you are already good at that. Now you're doubling efforts and budget. You will outperform them. So I've got a question based on some of the um, comments you've made. I assume you work with a lot of businesses that are e-commerce companies. Is that accurate? Because you're talking, or I mean, or are you basically looking to work with people for lead generation? Period. Because when you say click funnels, I immediately think I understand that progression. I understand how the offer works and how you get people to scale up from there. But here's why I'm asking the question. One of the things that's happening in the insurance community right now is the advancement of technology and what's called quote bind issue technology, <clears throat> meaning you can go to a website, 
You can key in some information. You can get a quote if you want to buy that. And I'm not talking about going to Progressive or Geico. I'm talking about going to an independent insurance agency similar to what I own and where, where Kyle works with me. Um, they can go to a website. They can key in their information. They can get a quote. They can choose that they to pay for it online, have their coverage bound, and the policy issued literally in a man, matter of minutes. Now, that doesn't work that way across the board for all types of insurance that you can buy, but for a subset of personal lines for home, auto, those types of things, as well as smaller commercial and very specific needs, this is a very uh, rapidly growing segment of our business. How, how would your system help someone who's looking to grow their online presence if their goal was to take something like small insurance policies that have basically become commoditized transactions and scale a business by driving traffic there? Great question. So back to the equalizer, I would do the first question of the equalizer is what else can they do? And that's how you spot the commodity immediately. Because if it's a commodity, really, there is just one thing that you can do. Automate and uh, increase volume. That's it. Dominate the market quicker than the others uh, and go for 100,000 users right now in that market. That's the only thing you can do. And, uh, and the benefit, the, the equalizer will tell you what's the problem that you are solving. With commodity, the only problem that you're solving is quick and cheap. So yeah, then do it quick and cheap. Uh, and, and then you know your strategy and it's very clear what the tactics will be, volume and speed. And the internal processes will be all automated and some of them semi-automated. Semi That's what you're going to do. You're, you're, you're building a machine. If at the beginning, when you ask the equalizer, what problem are you solving? If it says you are solving the problem of de-risking financial decisions or keeping a, a complex family situation safe or any other benefits, then we are in the high ticket B2B space. And then the game is different. Then you need one good client per quarter. I had today somebody from the insurance business and uh, and, and they said, I need one good client per quarter. So that's also insurance business, going for a high ticket B2B offer where you just need a couple clients per year to make uh, a living. And that's a completely different ballgame and completely different sales. So the first thing to, to find out is, okay, who are you going to serve? What's their pain? And what's the benefit? And can you be number one in solving that? And then it can be a low ticket B2C, it can be low ticket B2B, it can be high ticket B2B. What you, what you come up with. We are best with high ticket B2B offers. That's where we are best. We work with consultancies, wealth advisors, financial institutions that want to reinvent the game. And one main question that they have right now is, okay, uh, Banking is necessary, but banks are not. What am I going to do next year? Okay, financing is important, but financing agencies are not. Not to the user. 
So what really is our role? What is the function of the insurance agency, of the financial advisor in the year 2021 and 2022? That is the question. And that is a strategic question. This is what we're discussing with people right now. And then when we get that, then it's around the business model. Okay, is the business model quick machine or is the business model high-touch trusted advisor? One of our clients is, is inventing right now a new solution to the old problem. You get a new client as an insurance company and now you need all these papers. And it's a headache for both, for the, for the agency, you onboarding the new client and it's, and it's a headache for them because they need to scan all these papers and send it to you and they don't know you and they don't like it and can, can't you do it faster and do you really need all 20 of these papers? And so what they have created is a one-click solution that is now in Series A funding. And uh, on, on the iPad, with two clicks, they onboard every client and it automatically collects all the data from everywhere in a couple of seconds. But that's a good solution. And it's a new angle to an old problem in that industry. So I think the work right now is finding the new angle to the, to the evergreen problems. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, you're basically preaching the same sermon I tell people every week. You can't be a product salesman. You've got to be a problem solver. And the first step in anything you do needs to be identify the problem that you want to solve and then figure out what your pathway is to solve that problem going forward. So, um, you know, I'm very interested in, uh, you know, especially with the business to business to business, larger ticket items, what that looks like. I, I would be interested and in obviously not um, going to ask you on air, but I have a feeling I know who your client is that's solving that problem in the insurance space because there's several right now that are looking to tackle the same issue. And it'll be an interesting uh, journey to see who uh, comes to the top of the mountain first. Absolutely. I don't speak about my clients, but they speak about themselves. So on our website, many of them, I think 65 of them are describing their journey in sprints with us. It's strategysprints.com slash lob. So they, if they describe it, it's fine. I don't talk about clients. Absolutely. And I would never ask you to do that live. Um, talk to me a little bit about how you came up with the name Strategy Sprints. Yeah. So, you know, I, I go to this office, I say, hey, I want to start my own company. And they, they ask you, OK, name. <laughs> and I, I, had, I had a couple hours to think about it. And I was like, hmm, what, 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 what do I stand for? I had uh, 17 years of strategy advisory. So, oh, yeah, I'm the strategy guy. But I also knew that strategy in the traditional way is broken. Is, is focusing on the wrong things, it's too expensive, it's too slow, and it's not really um, uh, helping the, the modern uh, business owner. So I was like, it, it needs to be smaller, faster, and more applicable. Sprint. And that's how we came up with strategy sprints. And for years, I, I was using it. I was like, oh, I'm not a branding specialist. I hope it's a good name. My only thing was it shouldn't have my name because if I scale it, I want everybody to identify with it. So just no Severino Consulting. Uh, it should be bigger. Uh, it should be around the idea, not about the people. And then for years, I was like, oh, I hope I picked the right name. I, ho I hope I picked the right name. And I was so happy when this year I got my first publishing deal for writing the book. 
and they ask me what will be the title. I go strategy sprints and they say, you got the deal. It's iconic. There you go. Yeah. There you go. So, so, so I'm back. I had a boy. We, I, I, I didn't even announce you were gone. Uh, well, whatever. I, I, we got some crazy weather hey, going on up here. I don't, I'm not sure what's going on, but anyways. It killed us in the middle of the night last night. It was yeah. brutal. So, Simon, when you engage with a company that wants to use your services, what is one of the biggest mistakes that you find most of them are making um, without your advice? Mistake number one, doing too many activities, working too much. And that is linked to mistake number two, not getting their own data every seven days. And when I say their own data, I mean the marketing numbers, three to five marketing numbers, three to five operations numbers, and three to five sales numbers every seven days in one simple dashboard with three fields, marketing, operations, sales. This is the main mistake. It's so simple. But because it's simple, it's hiding in plain sight. Everybody wants complicated reports out of HubSpot and Salesforce every month. The super complicated PNL uh, eight levels breakdown every year. Well, that doesn't help you right now because you don't take decisions every month. You take decisions every day. So this is the moment when you need your data to support that decision. And most people out there don't get every seven day their marketing numbers, operations numbers and sales numbers because they don't know how to do it. They, they have too big of a project, too big initiatives. They don't slice the elephant in very small chunks that you can deliver in three days, four days, and then test and then report about the numbers. That's what the sprint methodology is all about in the agile world. And that's what helps you slice the elephant, have small chunks so that it becomes measurable. Now you have your data. Now you are not flying blind anymore. You are taking decisions based on your real data. So what kind of data are you looking for? What are, the, what are these data points that you think are important to look at on a weekly basis in the marketing and sales uh, sectors and operations? Typical marketing numbers are number of new subscribers on our email list per week, number of people that went on our website, wanted something and jumped off, uh, number of people who went on the website and downloaded three PDFs in one hour. These are how many interested people, how many engaged people do we have right now? These are the main marketing questions. The main operations questions are uh, how many uh, user complaints do we have right now? How many are we solving? How happy are our clients? And with user campaign, the important thing is how fast do we catch them before they become a real problem? Because a complaint is wonderful if I catch it before the customer catches it. A complaint is wonderful if I can catch it quickly and turn that into a magic moment. But if it's too late, then a complaint is, is a vital error. And, the, the, and in the sales department, number of people who jumped on your, on your calendar now we're talking B2B high ticket sales, number of people who jumped on your calendar, number of people that of these that you closed, conversion rate, and uh, number of new deals closed this week. These are typical ones. If you are a subs subscription model, then also something about retainment, the churn rate. How many people did you lose from your cohort uh, per month? 
Got it. Yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of things that you can measure from bounce rate to number of pages viewed once they're on your site to um, <clears throat> time on site. You know, and obviously we want to keep that bounce rate as low as we can. We want people who don't just come in and go out right away. We want them to take time to explore. And if you don't take the time to analyze the keywords that have gotten them to your site, and then subsequently the behavior associated once they're on your domain with the keywords that led them to your site, how can you really even make intelligent marketing decisions? And I mean, I, I say that as a rhetorical question, but I have to tell you that my peer group doesn't do this on a regular basis. And the ones who do in many cases outsource it, which quite frankly, I feel like they should because we're insurance producers and agents. We're not you know, SEO gurus and in, in online marketing consultants. I just happen to enjoy reading about that stuff. So I know maybe a little bit more than an average person does, but I'm far from an expert at it. But I, I do think that it's interesting um, the amount of just raw data you can get if you know where to look for it and if you have things set up the right way. Now, you mentioned a couple tools, HubSpot and Salesforce, that people want to get complicated reports from. I assume you make that statement because you know of something that's a little more streamlined and easier to use. You, these are wonderful tools, and you can use them if you just get the report every seven days. That's that's the problem. Don't go for fancy. Go for effective. Right. And effective is it tells you three to five numbers of marketing of sales and of operations right now. So latest every seven days. These two can do it. Simpler things can also do it. We use close, for example, that can that can do it. Most CRM systems can do it. Just keep it simple. Stick to the numbers and improve them by one percent every week. That's that's the important thing to do, because sometimes you say, oh, well, we have this this huge fancy CRM system. So, well, we are doing it, Simon. No, you're doing nothing. You are waiting for 30 days to get your data. That's old data. Old. If somebody was on your website today, clicked three PDFs, tried to buy something, then the dog barked. He went out of the cart and he is now biking. Somebody needs to call them right now. Yeah, or I mean, that's when, yeah, then you get involved with abandoned cart emails and all of the other things that come up, plus retargeting for cross-selling offers and, and all of the other things. From the insurance world, I know that there are a lot of people who want to understand how much their website is doing for them. In transparency, I don't feel like a lot of people understand exactly what their website's doing for them because they they want to know, but they don't want to take the time to learn. So even if they were to get numbers, I don't know that they would understand what they would need to do. And I'm not saying this to denigrate our constituency on the show that listens to us. I'm just being transparent about the average agent out there not really knowing where to start and what numbers to look at. Mm -hmm. So the question is this, if you take somebody who has never taken the time to look at key performance indicators for their website, let's just assume that this is either people who are coming because there was a call to action in an email where they could get an ebook or a white paper or some sort of a resource or people who are coming to buy a product, two very different things. Uh, you know, some person, people may be responding to paid traffic that's an advertisement that's a click to take them a landing to a landing page to start a quote, which would be a very obvious path to the sales process as opposed to reading blogs and educating or writing blogs rather and educating your client base. 
what are the top three to five things because you talk about numbers to be looking for what are those top three or five that anybody who has a website that is in business should be looking at to optimize the first time they look at them website i would go for how many people were today on our website how many of these people are really interested and where do i find them this would be my three main not numbers to get, informations to get. These are the three main data points. If you then want to also uh, have an agency doing work for you, which I think is good. I have an agency doing SEO work for us, even if a website is not such an important part of our sales funnel. But I have an agency improving our keywords, our ranking for specific keywords, uh, we check every seven days the bounce rate. We check, but the bounce rate doesn't, doesn't really tell me a lot. Uh, I want it to be low instead of high, but it doesn't tell me a lot. We check the trust flow, which means how many trustable websites link to us. And we, need, we measure the citation flow, how many people quote us, cite us, um, use our name or uh, our brands or products. On, on their website. So these are things that we track in terms of website. Also, we go to the Google speed test uh, site and make a speed test, both desktop and mobile. And we want it to be above 55 because in May, starting May, uh, Google, who is a joint venture partner of us, uh, will change the algorithm and everything below 55 will be penalized. So if your website loads too slow, you will be penalized. We also go to Google My Business and have that always updated with pictures, with offers. You can even post there and we answer every single review. This is something that works a lot. Answering the reviews that people leave, uh, that, that increases uh, your SEO, for example. Yeah, I agree. I would argue that people should pay attention to bounce rate if they're focusing on a content-driven marketing strategy. Because to me, if the bounce rate is high, that means I'm not doing a good job of it making my content link to each other on my website to get people to stay on there longer and visit multiple pages. And if you have a high-ticket business-to-business offer and you're educating people through written content or a video wall on your website or whatever else, your goal should be to get those people to consume as much of that as you possibly can. So to me, one of the two, the two things I look at or two of the most important things that I look at are A, my bounce rate, but also the average number of pages visited. The higher the number of pages visited tells me that I the, the people are consuming that content, they're enjoying what they're getting, that I'm actually accomplishing my mission of educating them to the where they can go and search for the next thing and then ultimately drive us to the point where we can have a conversation about doing business with each other. And it's a... It's a slower process than if I were to have my e-commerce site. My e-commerce site is to get somebody to get there and make a quick decision that they can't live without what I have, have them progress through the funnel, 
have it be a low-lying offer, then move into something intermediate, and then ultimately sell them either something subscription-based or my entire course. It's basically right out of the ClickFunnels playbook. And you know, I would be looking at different metrics for a business that way. So I think that it's important for the people with agencies, insurance agencies out there to understand that you know you probably need to look at about three to five things. And you know, the three to five things that are important to me may not be the three to five things that are important to you. If you're heavy on e-commerce and driving digital, you know, do using digital advertising to drive traffic to landing pages with the specific goal of capturing somebody's information or getting them to begin the buyer's journey, it's a whole different animal than somebody selling a larger middle market account and realizing that they have to continuously generate content with good anchor text and keywords to get people to discover your site and then keep them there when you go. So, I mean, that's my, that's my take on what it looks like in the insurance space. They the numbers, the numbers tell us, uh, I don't want a specifically uh, low bounce rate. I want their email address and I'm not in the e-commerce space. I'm a consulting company. But uh, I, I nurture over 12 days of sending them content after they said, I want content. And there are also people that read the blog, but these people usually are just searching for a specific information. And um, there are better people at, at writing a lot of blogs. We do content on YouTube and then from YouTube, bring them to the website. Every funnel has, has its own epic, its own flow. And uh, as you say, pick your three to five KPIs and improve them, improve them, improve them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I look at it, the my ideal client is going to spend $500,000 buying commercial insurance from my agency. In many cases, that's a 12 to 18 month process. So I'm not going to drip on somebody over 12 days just because I'm going to run off somebody that could be ultimately be a really good client for me. Now, if I have somebody that is a smaller business that needs insurance so that they can get out and do work, or maybe it's somebody who's just going into business and they're Googling or they're going on YouTube and they're looking for um, you know answers to questions or whatever else, that is a much quicker process. And, I, and to your point, you have to drip on those people for literally 12 days may even be too long in many cases because I'm competing against the person who says, we'll save you 15% for 15 minutes or less. In many cases for us, it's just a matter of minutes. So in that situation, bounce rate's completely irrelevant. My only goal is I just want to get your name, your email address, and what you're looking for so that I can make effective marketing decisions as to which one of our automation sequences you can get into so that ultimately I can engage with you in a buying conversation. And you know what's funny? The long sales cycle in B2B complex sales that was 12 to 18 months now with new technology can be much shortened. What you can think about is how to intensify the relationship with all that we have. So sending an email that sends to your latest podcast episode. In the podcast episode, asking a question. The question get answered uh, and next day, you put together a survey of all the questions that they did and summarize it on LinkedIn. The next email sends them to your LinkedIn poll, which has the results of the survey. You see where I'm going? Six of these emails can create six contact points in a quality that traditionally we would, we would need to fly to a conference and, and spend three days on that conference with them. 
And now both because conference are, are not there right now in lockdown, and also because email and video can do that, and audio, and we as podcasters, we know the power of audio, we can create 8 to 14 contact points, which is the average complex sales number of interactions that you need, in shorter time. This is what we call increasing the frequency of the sales. It's the third lever in our program. The first one is increasing conversion rate on current leads. The second one is increasing the price via a better positioning. And the third one is increasing the frequency by shortening the sales cycle massively with video, audio, and, and, and all the content. If you are also writing, put in some articles, put in some PDFs, do a webinar on top, you can create 8 to 14 contact points in a very short amount of time. How many are too many? Great question. So our partner Google has some numbers on this. They just published a, a study which says, hey, the funnels, traditional funnels like you are doing it, guys, they are, they are not so linear anymore. So we had all these numbers about the linear funnel. How many emails is the right sequence of emails? What is not enough? What is too much? And now they have, they have basically said, forget the number because it's not linear anymore. So what's, what's now is all about is I, I think of something, I go to David's website, I'm intrigued, the dog barks, I do something else. In the night, I remember, uh, in, maybe you pop up on YouTube, then I, I comment something. Next day, I see you on LinkedIn. So it's, it's much more nonlinear. And so what it's about right now is to create like a web of experiences like Walt Disney does. You come to our, to our place and then you, you buy the puppet and then you watch the DVD and then you subscribe to Disney+. Plus. It's four contact points. And, and your kids want the T-shirts, five contact points. So how can we create such a web? And I think we can do it with writing blogs, our website, creating a podcast. I go daily out with my podcast because I find it's important. Being on different socials, some more audio, some more video, and then um, letting the things nurture each other. Uh, we have one-to-one -one implementations. We have group coachings. We have a community of 900 people in a private Facebook group. We have Slack groups, we have mastermind groups, we have the daily podcast, and we invite these people to the other things. So when I have a very cool podcast guest, I say, hey, don't you want to jump into my mastermind? You, you can rock the stage for one hour. It's the coolest people in there, and you can be the star of the day. Of course they come, and of course my community says, wow, Simon. And so I am motivated again to do another podcast episode. So as you can see, the, the single elements can, can feed each other. They can nurture each other and build upon each other. And this way, I, I even forget about linear follow-up, but it happens because I see them today in an event. Tomorrow they get an email. And in three days, we start a conversation on LinkedIn. In, in the meanwhile, I forget about them, but the conversation is still going and it pops up somewhere. So you've mentioned LinkedIn a couple of times. I know from the circles that I run in, there are a lot of people that are getting disgruntled with the number of automated bots that are sending instant messages to people as part of the marketing game to the point where it doesn't, it is actually doing exactly the opposite 
of what I think the marketer's intent is. They're, they're trying to engage, but truthfully, their cadence sucks. It's horrible. Like you'll get a, I'm an open connector. I give anybody the benefit of the doubt. I never know what I might be able to glean from somebody else's network, uh, you know, or ideas. I'm always listening and adapting and, and changing things. But I can tell you that when I get in a request to connect from someone on LinkedIn and immediately upon connecting, they are sending me a message telling me everything about them, what they do and how much they want to help me. It has exactly the opposite effect that they want to have in, in to the point that I actually don't even waste the time of responding. I just block them because it's going to be a never ending cycle of me getting those messages at that point. What are your thoughts regarding the current landscape on LinkedIn and how these people are using automation inappropriately to try and generate business? Great example. And the reason, let me, let me preface this for my audience very quickly. The reason why I ask the question is because I want them to understand. I, I, I know enough about digital marketing to realize that what you're saying with your touch points is not the same thing as what these automations and bots are that are reaching out and trying to engage people. And so I don't want people to listen to what your answer is going to be coming through the filter that you're participating in this because it doesn't sound to me like you are. It sounds to me like you've actually got this figured out with a good cadence that will lead people to connect with you and to engage with you without being overly obnoxious about it. So we have a link in LinkedIn also as one of our distribution channels, but it's, it's changing every, of course, every couple of months because we listen closely to, to what's needed, to, to how the conversation uh, needs to run. What our philosophy in creating these 8 to 14 touch points is, it should be like you talk to a friend. So uh, vulnerability, uh, real and, uh, and interesting. So we want to create curiosity and a state of openness and, hey, tell me more. So two years ago, we were also basically just contacting and saying, hey, hello, uh, cool stuff. This is what I do. Can I help you? And then we realized quite quickly that people don't like it. So And because we are numeric, we saw that in the number of uh, response going down. And so we You saw that in seven days, man. You knew that in seven days. Yes, yes, because we were sending we were sending fifty messages per day. That's enough to see a pattern of decrease. And especially because you see that in seven days, because we always had our number and we knew that 30, 36% was the yes on the first connection. And now it was going 18, 15, 13, week by week. So we put our heads together in our Friday meeting, what's going on here. And my, my assumption was, well, I think the bot is so cheap right now that everybody's going out with bots. People are pissed. And mm -hmm. I, I also think that people are messing up the following up section because I'm a friend of bots, actually, if you use them to uh, make uh, a, a human, a heart-to-heart -heart communication even better then I use everything that I can use. And bots can be a great tool, like every tool can be a great tool if used wisely. Now, the main problem is that they follow up too often. You have to, you have to do it like you would do it on a date. You don't follow up the next day. You wait three days, right? Remember, people. 
you wait three days. And so that's you, you need to train the bot in a human way because you are giving the instructions. So bots can be a help, but use them in a human way, not in a robotic way. And, and I think what you said was important because if you weren't looking at the results every seven days, you would have waited a month and you're, you would have probably done even more damage by waiting that long. I mean, out of everything that you've said, that's one of the most... Um, you know, most important things that I would want everybody to hear. That is, don't don't view this stuff so frequently. You know, it doesn't need to be something you review on a daily basis because it becomes difficult to ident identify trends. You're really only comparing yesterday versus today. That's not really going to help you much. But by looking over the course of a week, you're able to do this more frequently, number one. And number two, you get the benefit of of having a week's worth of data that you can use and then compare whole weeks against each other. That makes it a lot easier in the decision-making process, but much different than doing it every 30 days because you, you need to be able to course correct quickly. So, I mean, I think that that's fairly genius of how you guys have this set up uh, in terms of the timing. That's why we have these seven days. And sometimes uh, my colleagues say, well, let's move the, our meeting on Tuesday and let's, let's measure on Tuesday. And then I always go, no, 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 always on Friday, because only, like you say, if we set the parameters, if we keep the parameters the same, only then we can see the variations in numbers. Because if you start measuring on Tuesday, then you have changed the parameters and then you don't have the same degree of information coming out of your data. Well, yeah, the other thing, too, is if you're comparing week versus week, you can see what Tuesday looks like compared to Tuesday, Wednesday compared to Wednesday, because you and I both know that depending on what day and time and all of that, traffic patterns are different. There's a lot of really good artificial intelligence out there right now that will do that. I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with the product Lately.ai, but it's a product that I use inside of the agency and it's it's nice because when you write a blog post or anything like that you can go in share the link it goes to the website it looks at the the blog post it captures 140 characters for them to make the social post with it attaches the featured image it gives you the shortened link and it gives you the predetermined hashtags that you put in there mm -hmm. but the nice part about it is if i go in with a blog post that's roughly 750 to a thousand words i can put that link in there and it's going to generate 20 different social posts for me based off of that from there i have the ability to bulk schedule and when I bulk schedule, I can either choose the time of day or I can click the radio button that has them pick the time of day automatically. And I always have them pick it automatically because they're constantly crawling my social presence and they can see when people are consuming content the most and make the most educated decision based off of what the data says to get that content published to where most the more, more, uh, more people are going to see it. It's a really cool tool, and it's one that can be obnoxious if you let it be, uh, because you really could post 20 posts a day if you wanted to, but understanding the cadence and how frequently things should go out, but then marrying that to the artificial intelligence and letting it look at your behaviors online, your audience's behaviors online, and making sure that the distribution channel matches the two of those is really something very powerful that would require a lot of my time if I were to measure any of that accurate, uh, you know, uh, manually and have to try and figure it out myself. And it's a great example of a technology that makes a human thing more human because 
if, if, if you don't use it, you're just sending it to everybody at the same time. If you are using it, they will check context by context where the need is, where the attention is, and when to better place it, which is much more human. This is what you would do with friends. You first check when they, when they want to get stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, what have we not talked about that you want to talk about regarding strategy sprints and, and everything that you're doing right now? This is your, this is your chance to have the floor. Yeah, so what we do is exactly what, what we have done until now. We think first, uh, how can we, from heart to heart, communicate the right thing that is answering now a real pain and uh, uh, serving a real need out there? And who do we serve? And then we go into a series of sprints of seven days to measure what counts to measure the main things we want to know are we moving in the right direction at the right pace and this is done via kpis we have three habits the daily habit weekly habit monthly habit that we install with our clients daily habit is how do you spend your time and how can you spend it tomorrow more wisely what can you cut delegate systemize or automate the weekly one is what are your main marketing numbers, operations numbers, and sales numbers of this week? And how can you create a dashboard that is simple enough that you want to look at it every week and learn from it? And then once a month, the strategy question, are we selling to the right people at the right price in the right channels the right way? And if it's yes, it's half an hour meeting. And if we find something relevant, then we have to dig deeper and solve that before we go into any other tactical question. And then we also ask once a month the mindset. How confident are we that we are the best solution to this problem uh, from 1 to 100%? And if it's anything below 100%, we stop and we talk to each other deeply. We look each other in the eye and say, okay, do we need to improve the product or the, the distribution or, or what? Because if we are not 100%, nobody will be at 100%. So we have to be 100% sure. And if not, we have to make sure that we are sure or we stop this. And, uh, and so that's an important conversation to have once a month. And with these three habits, daily, weekly, and monthly, you have an operating system. And with this operating system outside, stuff can change, stuff can go wrong because it will, but you can react because you catch it quickly, quicker than the customer. You can react upon it. You have a focus team because they have their own data. They know what to improve and they have small cycles of improvement. And so nothing can really um, stop you because you are quite unstoppable. Every seven days you can course correct. Every seven days you can take the right decision and execute on it. This really increases your return on luck, how I call it, your capacity to, to create many points for luck to happen, for the lucky punch uh, to happen. Because you don't know where it is, but if you measure every seven days, you will find it. Got it. Well, listen, I want to be respectful of your time. We're coming up on almost an hour. Um, you had mentioned you wanted to give something away at the end of this. Yeah. So I want you to talk about that. And then I also want you to talk about how they can get it. Sure. So I have brought something which is my favorite tool, the equalizer. 
and uh, we don't. Yeah, yeah. equalizer. You're, you're going to give him the equalizer? Yeah. The oh my god. It's 25k people if you want to have it, and right here you get it for free because you're friends of David. And it's at strategiesprints.com slash equalizer. It takes you half an hour. Do it with your team. You will find how to cut costs, where to cut costs, 10%, 20%, 30% costs right now in your business, where to reinvest that so that you swim out of your competition. You will be immune of competition and save time. It's just half an hour. It's a spreadsheet. And there is a 13 minutes video of me walking you through how I use that spreadsheet. That's it. No robots. And it's pretty cool. And you can grab it at strategiesprints.com slash equalizer. That's awesome, man. I can't believe you're giving away the equalizer. If you people don't get out there and download the equalizer and go through that process, you're just going to be unequal, I guess. I don't know. You got to get equalized. Simon, listen, it has been a pleasure having you on. I always enjoy talking about things that are going on from a marketing perspective, specifically digitally. I love talking about KPIs. You are 100% speaking my language, my friend. And it has been an honor and a privilege to have you on here. And I look forward to getting this out to our audience so they can go grab the equalizer and make changes in their organization. Wish you nothing but the best, sir. Thank you again for spending time on the show with us. Thank you so much. Keep rolling, everybody. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com.